the Orville New Horizons. Sounds fishy and in a grove. This is staying in. Just the tuna bus. It's quite echoey here, Sam. Building castle in the sky, just the tuna bus, me and I. It's a bit roomy. It is a um, bit. It is a bit roomy. Do you think that? Because you know, we just spent like three days together in each other's company, the four of us, which we haven't done yeah. for no. over two years. No, and about five hours in a car, just me and you. So mm-hmm. I was hoping to get a little bit of a respite from that. Yeah, I think. I think Dan and Pete may have just had enough. <laughs> yeah, which is understandable. <laughs> understandable. Let's give them a break. Um, I think because we've known each other that long we've our threshold is a little bit higher yes for company but well you say that i mean have you ever had those moments where <laughs> for whatever reason you you wish you'd said something but for whatever reason you didn't and if only you could turn back the clock things would have been so much different you ever had um, that song? i don't know but this is this feels like it's taken a much more dramatic turn than well i i had that same thought friday night when you you came to pick me up okay and all right if i could go back in time what i'd say to chris would be you know that half pint of skimmed milk you've got nestled at the top of your bag in your rucksack with all your stuff in there for this wonderful weekend away with the lads when you hand the bag to sam because sam will probably want to pack it himself in the back of the car you might want to mention it to him you may want to just think okay i'll be a bit delicate how i place the bag or i'll i'll take the milk out first before i pack the bag that's what yeah. I would say to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, um, as I was running back, talking to the plumbers who fitting my boiler, I <laughs> came out to my front garden, you at the back of your car, with um, what looked to be some kind of dairy farm explosion had occurred <laughs> in my rucksack, which resulted in us having to empty <laughs> the rucksack over my front lawn. My neighbours haven't really met me yet, but their, their first proper glimpse of me will be all my stuff strewn over my front lawn and us with wet wipes wiping everything down, um, which is a great start. And the volume button on my tablet is still quite gunked up, I should say. Is it? Yeah. Um, oh, I felt like... Because I remember because the packing for this trip was pretty epic. Like, yeah. I'd my dad brought me a, a, a plug-in cool, cool box for my birthday and I literally thought I was never going to use it ever. But such was the need to bring stuff for this holiday. I'd brought the cool box. It was sitting in the back of my car, engine running, keeping everything chill. And I'd literally said to you, oh, have you got anything for the cool box? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got that milk for it. And I was like, all right, okay, assuming you were going into the house to to get the milk and then and then all i remember hearing was yeah it's in that bag you're holding and then i looked down at the bag and it was just dripping wet <laughs> with the milk that just exploded from inside of it i did feel bad but only for a short while only for a short while um uh, yeah so at the risk of making this a real-time experience for the listener then you and i headed in the car we we, yes. we put it on down to a, a yep. lovely lodge that you'd found and we um we stayed in for the weekend uh um, Dan drove um, from um, a kind of a different direction, picking up our pal Pete on the way, who yeah. managed to just about make it there with only a two-hour delay, which is pretty good for Pete. That's pretty good for Pete. That's that's pretty good. So well done him. Usually, whenever he tries to leave Bristol, there's some horrendous storm 
Um, this time it was just strike action. So yeah, not against he, he him. Right. She said yeah, uh, but the place, but the place we stayed at was absolutely beautiful. Just outside the wire forest, this lovely lodge cabin, um, and had this um, hot tub outside, which was like sunken yeah. into the decking, which is something I've never really seen before. So you could literally just like. If you weren't careful in the morning, you could just like fall face first into the into the bubbly bath. Um, but yeah, had a great great table for games and pizzas and food. I had like a a lovely screen where, <laughs> I mean, it's just typical of us that we turned up. I have my big bag of games and my Switch, and Dan turns up with his PlayStation Five, and it's just like <laughs> we just can't enjoy each other's company just without any sort of external stimuli. No. no. Um, and I love the soundtrack of the evening. It was like there was like the lovely sound of the cicadas, the buzzing of wasps, and the faint hum of the septic tank. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'll always remember reading the one of the things I love to do when I go to a, stay at a place like this is read the information pack to get like all the download because I like to be the guy in the know. Like so, when someone goes, "Oh, how do you work the cooker?" I'm like. I know. Do you know the Wi-Fi code? Yeah, bring it here. Oh, how's the central heating work? I've got all your answers. I read the welcome pack. Oh, there's a pub a couple of miles down the road. In the um, <laughs> the uh, septic tank is described in the welcome pack as very efficient. Um, <laughs> wow. Five stars. <laughs> um, you mentioned the hot tub. We spent four hours in a hot tub, which I think is the longest I've ever spent in any body of water. Yep. It's the longest I've spent in a hot tub. I, I think we were all at the whim of, of Peter there, who for for some reason was just like, I'm in this thing and I'm not getting out. And because we and because we'd spent so little time together as a foursome in person, I think we we're just like, well, we just gotta to stick together at this point. So if one person wants to stay in the hot tub, we're staying in the hot well, tub. Well, we had um, a little bit of an inversion of that, because you remember it was me, you and Dan in the hot tub. Pete was sat inside playing pool on his mobile phone. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, we rang him so we were chatting to i know we weren't in the hot tub we were just sat out on the deck we were, yeah we, we were just we were sat out on the deck while he was inside we could see him through the glass window um but i want to talk about i think for me one of the highlights the entire weekend you talk about the fact that we can't just enjoy each other's company even in a even in a hot tub without any screens yeah. controllers mm -hmm. none of that we still we had a little mini game jam <laughs> In a hot tub, we can't help ourselves. I know, I know. It's literally just like the one opportunity to ask each other how we are, what's going on, what can we help each other with. No, let's let instead let's invent a game. <laughs> so we did. We invented a game. And Pete has Pete literally, and I say literally after we went to Pete went to bed early. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go and type up this game. He did. So Pete, he did. Pete has, in his view, he'll have the definitive version of this. Yeah. Which may be, you know, before it goes to Kickstarter, we might put it out there as just a kind of a little, a whim, a prototype thing, maybe to kick around a little bit more. So, but I think it's pretty perfect as it is. Yeah, and I, and I think the pro the main problem with our game, Chris, is that because it was invented in a hot tub, and because the rules are slightly shaped around everyone being in a hot tub. It's it's something we can never package and sell to people. <laughs> no. It will forever just it's just an idea, um, yeah, and a set of rules to keep in your head. There's there is no way that we can market and commercialize Hot Tub the game brought to you by yeah. staying in. 
or hot tub no. no staying in presents hot tub the game yeah yeah i think hot tub the game or bubble bubble boys no that's bubbly that's the name that's the name of our company that's that's the name of our <laughs> bubble boys presents staying in presents um hot tub the hot tub word game so hot tub is a little bit of a party game so picture just the four of us in a hot tub each in a different quadrant um, um for some yeah. reason while we were playing it you kept disentangling bits of the hot tub and they would float to the surface and we'd have to screw <laughs> them back in that's not part of the um, game and no. if you don't want to imagine what our figures would look like in a hot tub you don't have to you can go onto instagram and see the four of us in a hot tub indeed and the game starts with one person saying hot tub and we go no well chris no come on the game starts with someone saying there is nothing better than a hot tub oh right okay so they proffer that from the beginning then i thought it was the next person so um the next person then has to go there's nothing better than and they have to have a similar two-word answer featuring either featuring one or one of the words from the previous yes so they'd have to say there's nothing better than a hot dog or a butter tub i don't know (laughs) and then the next person and it goes on and goes on and continues and then we were trying we were spending ages because we were drinking quite we were drinking beer at this point in the hot tub so i think we would probably come up with this game in five minutes if it wasn't for the beer Mm -hmm. but we were struggling to kind of determine okay well if somebody doesn't you know we want to kind of like speed this up a bit. So we need to kind of ensure there's a time limit that somebody has. And we came up with this notion of the democracy of the hot tub. Yeah. Where if we feel hot someone's taking democracy. too long, if everyone puts their hands up, then there's a countdown of five seconds and then they're out. Yes. Essentially. But primarily what happens is you wheedle your way down to two people and then it is literally like a tennis match back and forth across the bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you, um, can't think of a a word to to carry on the chain or you run out of time then you're considered out and then um usually i don't like games with player elimination but i think hot tub i'm going to give a pass to for two reasons first off when you're out you get to start a new two-letter sequence essentially which is great because you know, even afterwards, we were playing the game. We came up with several like two two word combinations two word. that could like lead easily lead people down certain rabbit holes. Like yeah, the ins- the we got the um, there's the inspector um, wormhole where if you start doing things like Inspector Clouseau, Inspector Morse, you Inspector very gadget. quickly Inspector Gadget, you very quickly start running out of inspectors, and you can it's 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 quite clever. There are ways you can play hot tub to actually manipulate and force, um, you know, people to really get thinking about the words. Or you can just make it easy and just say hot dog or whatever. So that's good. I like that. And also, if you've been eliminated from the game, you can at any point get back in if you're able to say what the original two-word combination that started that round was. So on the first round, if we started with hot tub... If at some point someone said um, bathtub, you could jump in and say hot tub and then you'd be back in the game because you were able to say the original two-word yeah. phrase again. Yeah, so it was. we wanted to create a game that would play really, really well in a hot tub. You wouldn't need to bring anything else to it. Nope. Other than yourselves. 
and the usual yes. accoutrements of a hot tub. We took a lovely trip to the Wire Forest. Mm. Yeah, we certainly did, Chris. I've never been to the Wire Forest before. Oh, I've been there loads as I bored you mercilessly with mm-hmm. um, as we were driving there. I went there loads as a kid because it's not too far from where I grew up. And um, yeah, we did a nice walk around there. And then we clocked um, Go Ape. Go Ape. Which, Go Ape, which for those who aren't from the UK, won't be aware what it is necessarily. Um, in a lot of the forestry commission kind of areas, there is this facility Go Ape, which is essentially like a high ropes course uh where you're given you're put in a harness and you've got um a couple of ropes one short one long with carabiners on the end and you essentially clip yourselves to different trees and wires as you navigate your way in the treetops about 50 feet above there's zip wires uh there's floating hanging platforms oh i hated those and i was i was pretty impressed with you because you're not a big fan of heights because i did look into this for your stag do thanks um, no, I'm not. I'm not brilliant with heights. I'm fine getting. I'm fine once I'm there, but getting up to the heights is usually the bit that um, freaks you out the most. Like you know, on a roller coaster, going up that slow incline, that's where I start to get really jittery. And then um, same with like flying as well. Like that ascension after takeoff, that's probably the most nervous bit for me. But then once we're up there, I feel pretty pretty safe and it was the same with go ape like climbing up those rickety tiny (laughs) tiny ladders up a tree and then um i I think the thing that struck me was that like you get quite a lot quite a big safety briefing and they're obviously like well on their way to set to like safety i have this like little woman in a box just like a speaker and um it gives you all the safety demonstrations and they go through it and they check you know, they watch you while you're doing and check that you know exactly which bit to connect to what and when to take which bit off and like making sure you're always attached to a tree or a wire or a cable or whatever. And then you go off to all these different sections and they started off by watching us and they were having a, we were, Chris, we were hilarious. I I don't think they'd had a group like us that were, you know, we were just on it, rattling off little jives to each other, we're laughing and giggling away um and then they just left us then they just went and then it was just like the four of us on our own scrambling about across trees and i was like even though we're we're fully grown sensible people with jobs some of us have got kids and responsibilities like they've just left left us (laughs) on our own climbing around bloody trees and i was like this is not (laughs) this is not a good idea um like it's it's just when I stepped, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is bonkers. When I was jumping from platform to platform, suspended platform to platform with nothing to hold on to other than the harness attached to a wire, I was like, this is absolute, this is going to go wrong. Like, and for me, it was the zip wires, which I loved, but there was one where the whole point about a zip wire is that you want to try and stay facing forwards. Yeah. Because there's this lovely little bark. Um, runway at the end that you land onto and i ended up i think both i you and dan the only one who didn't do this was pete pete oh, was unscathed he was exemplary yeah but you rotate and essentially what happens is you instead of smoothly landing on your feet you land on your back first and you just get gently yeah. dragged through all of this bar 
and then somebody has to come and rake it over from the forestry commission um, but it's it great. was it's great fun exhilarating I, I really liked it i i'd do it again in a in a heartbeat actually if i was you know just well i've got one near me so we can we should do that no, definitely, and I and what I, I think what I liked about it most was that we just did it on the spur of a moment. Like we didn't book it; we just rocked up. We just thought, oh, you know, we've we've walked around the forest. That's been lovely. Yeah, we told them we were doing it though. We didn't just like make up our own harnesses and <laughs> start climbing up trees. Um, but yeah, I I I, I love that it was kind of just like a nice thing that we did that we did on a whim together. It was. Um, yeah, I, I I did have to. Did I tell you I had to throw away my shoes afterwards? Oh, they they perished a bit, hadn't they? <laughs> yeah, the wire that I was standing on, going from like tree to tree on one bit, it just like <laughs> basically permeated through the bottom, through the soles of one of my trainers. They were very cheap trainers. I only got for a tenner online. But Dan was wearing walking boots, which I'm very <laughs> impressed with because they're quite chunky and quite rigid. Yeah, yeah. Poor quite... Dan, who's the tallest out of us, had to force himself into a tunnel with his harness. You know, suspended above. <laughs> oh, crumbs! It was it was great. It was it, it felt like a real, uh, you know. I think I think what was great about it is that, like it felt like a real achievement. I don't know, you know, it felt like we'd really conquered something because there's there's a part of you that starts to get really convinced that you're incredible at climbing trees and like, yeah, I could live like an Ewok. Um, <laughs> but but then you you quickly forget that. M- the majority of the work is being done by this harness and like yeah. clip and pulley system that you're that you're attached they, they, to. Like you don't have to balance at all; it literally keeps you upright. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they they did cut that bit that scene where they get that safety top, you know, prep out of Return of the Jedi, where they're all <laughs> down at the bottom. There's an Ewok holding a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> but Chris, some, you were like Lego lass on snow, mate. You were just well. I mean. Like, I did this last year with my brother Stag do, and I love this sort of stuff. But I think it's also the case that, like, I, I do like heights. I'm all right at heights. I think it's the case that, I think you made that comment where actually it's better just to just go for it and just run across than it is yeah. to just linger because you tend to wobble a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, that, that's what I found on those standing bits that it would have been on the, on the floating platforms. It would have been better off if I just, like, just, like, trusted it and just, just gone with it because cause I was, like, jumping and stopping on each platform because... I was absolutely petrified. That was a that was a that was probably the scariest moment for me, like because I was jumping and stopping. All the plot platforms started to wobble, which made it actually more difficult to get to um, to progress to the other side. Whereas I should have just like leapfrogged it and actually got momentum, so I wouldn't have felt that wobble as much. Like I remember afterwards, I showed you my. Um, my Fitbit for that day. And there's a wonderful section in the middle of my heart rate monitor, which is just in the orange. And it's just like, you can look at it and go, guess where I was up when I was up a tree. Yeah, I mean, could it might yes. have been altimeter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, really good fun, though. And uh, what I really quite like, and it is often the case, and we, we always knew this going in, that we took a load of games. I took a crate. You took a big bag, you know, the one you took to Aircon. Dan yeah. bought his PS5. You bought your Switch. Mm-hmm. We knew we weren't going to play everything, but it was no. just nice knowing that there was this choice there. But, yeah, but that's, like, my my philosophy with games tends to be... I used to be, like, a lot more, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing the games and I want to play them. But now I'm a lot more, I'll just bring games, and if they get played, they get played. If they get not, I'd rather them they be there. Um, yeah. 
then think, oh, I wish we had X, Y, and Z to play. Um, we didn't play any of the the big big boxes that I took. I really, the only what the one game I really regret is not playing is Switch and Signal. Um, yeah, I should have maybe forced our hand on on that bit. But we did play a lot of uh, Inner Grove. Oh my word! Yeah, we need to talk about this. Ink Games. Oh my word! It's very rare that there's a game that most of us just take to. You had Peter played this already before. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it in a on a podcast in the future. But we but we've been playing oh. Let's Play Oink Games, which is like a, a digital version of 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 some of their games, uh, which is on Switch and Steam, and it was on there that we played in a grove for a first time and we loved it so much that I then uh, bought a copy and then I played it with you as a two player, which as a two player surprisingly works very it really well. Did. Um, and then we brought it on holiday and it's such a nice game to play and to introduce to a variety of different people because, you know, it's board games, not really Dan's big thing. He said it before on the show. It's no big secret. Um, but I think he really enjoyed it, and I think one of the reasons for that is that the um, it, the game is very clearly set out and makes a lot of sense just by looking at it. What's going on? The tactility of the game is exceptional. Like the pieces, it's like oh, um, almost like they're made out of almost like this baker-like style plastic, yeah. which really gives them a heft and a weight. They're almost like. T- like sort of like poker chips so it's great just to like touch and feel it's like finding the nicest smoothest pebble on a beach yes oh it's gorgeous um how the game works is um is is, the game is also a great an easy way to sell to people it's essentially you're you're playing detectives and you're trying to solve a murder and it's like right you know brilliant that really clear-cut idea of what we're going to do so you have three people in the middle of the table these like three sort of armless figurines and they're the suspects then you lay one person underneath them and that's the that's the person who's been killed and every time we set up this game i remember like someone's been killed and then you point to some around the table and be like how did they die um which is quite made us laugh um and then you hand everyone around the table um another figurine and they get to look at it and then they get to pass that figurine around to the left. And then you look at the figurine that you've just been passed. And on that figure will be a number from two to eight. Or depending on the player count, it might also have an X on it. And once you've looked at the two um, figures that you've been passed, whoever was first on the scene then gets to choose two of the three figures in the centre of the table to look at. So you look at them, see the numbers and put them down. And then you take a token from your little pool of tokens and you put it underneath which figure you think killed the person. And how you determine that is by putting it underneath a figure that you think has the highest number out of those three. There is a twist. If there is a number five in present in one of those three figures, then the person who killed the, um, the unfortunate figure will will have been will be the lowest numbered figure out of the three suspects and so the game passes from player to player all putting tokens down putting tokens down and sort of like second guessing what each person has like trying to deduce from what information you know and what people have put in terms of tokens down on the tables 
like if you can like guess who the murderer was and then there's the grand reveal everyone's in the parlor poirot walks in and then you can turn over all the figures and see who's the person with the highest or lowest number if there's a five and then there's you know penalties for people who got it wrong and then everything else and and oh, oh it's just it's just so snappy for a deduction game which small box in a small box like games like this can sometimes tie themselves in knots by trying to get overly complicated like there's when i was looking up rules for inner grove one of the earlier versions of it had a variant where the first player on the scene could switch figures around as well so they could like the player the person who'd been killed you could switch that for some one of the suspects in the lineup I was like, oh, she's just getting... There's something so nice and simple about this original sort of setup, which makes it such a, a speedy and yeah. intriguing deductive experience. Yeah, it, it scratches those itches that I get around One-Eyed Ultimate Werewolf, uh, uh, Love Letter, for example, Masquerade. But whereas Masquerade and Werewolf can get overly complicated because you're dealing with, with all these different roles... Yeah. that each have different qualities there's none of that here it is it, it it is probability but at its core but but with just enough of uncertainty to make it you're never fully sure until you get the final reveal and that's what i no. love particularly when you've got to a situation where not everyone has put a voting token on the same figure it's like well hang on what does sam know that i don't know and i can see people weighing up the probability in their head because obviously they know what they've seen prior to this in the dealing yes. phase and so those little wrinkles there can be just enough are they bluffing me am i not i don't know um to kind of just kind of make it a very very interesting experience and you're, you're playing each other as much as the game itself and it and it, it's a bit like when we played parade where on the face of it, it's mm -hmm. like oh you do this you do that but actually the more you play it you discover games within games um, as it yes. were and yeah I, I i'm i'm buying this definitely um, really at some point oh yeah definitely the moment you and i played it i thought yep because i really love those lovely little micro games those filler games which you know the, i think the more big bulky brick games you need you buy the more those mortar games you need to fill in the gaps really interesting and and I realized that I've skewed a lot more to those big bricky games which don't get to the table very often, whereas something very small and light, I go, okay, bring this out, boom, 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 perfect. Particularly this time of year when, you know, yep. people might be on their holidays whatsoever, it's a perfect game. And, yeah, this really, really piqued my interest. What else do we play, Chris? We played uh, um, another sort of deductive game, um, but it's not as if if you can believe it it's even more streamlined than in a grove in terms of trying to work out who's done what and it's in vino morte which is um from button oh, yes and i've and i've become obsessed with button shy um at the time of recording they've got another kickstarter running which is like a, a solo fishing game which i think well i'm definitely gonna get because you can just pick up their games for like 10 quid and they're these is 18 cards and that's it. That's the limitation that they set their designers and then the people design games games for this service. And in Vino Morte, it's just 18 cards. Nine of them are wine bottles and nine of them are poison bottles. And one person plays the role of the dealer and they give each person either a wine bottle 
or a poison bottle face down they don't know what they've they've been given and that's it the only rule they have to follow is there needs to be at least one wine bottle and one poison bottle on the table given to someone and then the game begins and on your turn you either drink what's in front of you so turn over the card or you swap your card with another person around the table and that is it and it's i think with i think four people is probably the limit where it just about works um but the game goes up as, a, to as a minimum sorry as a as, as a minimum as a minimum yeah. yeah i think anything less than four it's um i don't think it actually works less than four it'd be pretty pointless um but four is a minimum it just about works and i think what we enjoyed about it most was the thought of playing it with more people um because it just from a very simple concept the amount of times we just weren't doing anything but just looking at each other in the eye and just being like right what do i think you've given me right you're the dealer so you've probably given yourself a wine bottle because you don't want to be killed on the first round but are you but have you really given yourself a poison bottle thinking that i think that you've got a wine bottle so i'm going to switch and therefore give myself a, and the amount of like um it's sort of like the knots that you end up tying yourself into based yeah. upon no information whatsoever. No. Just how well you know the other people around the table yeah. is incredible. And it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I can imagine it being a really fun experience to play with people you don't know as well. I think that's yeah, yeah. you've got to... I, think, I, I don't know what it'd be like. You know how sometimes you get that with those kinds of party games where you'll get a few people who know each other really, really well and like yeah. some that are kind of on the outside and that can be quite polarizing there can be a bit of a schism there particularly in games say like dixit for example i yeah. can imagine that being quite a challenge um but this you could if you wanted to not look at your card and just just make a guess <laughs> and see what happens and you know push your luck i don't know why you would do that but what i mean is if, if you're the kind of person who's uncomfortable with and you know some people are like this with the, any sense of deception in a game um yeah or they just don't feel they can lie they could literally just decide and just push their luck. And it's like a game of roulette. It, 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 and and that in itself can be quite comical. I had really strong cockroach poker vibes of this. But again, a yeah. little bit like comparing um, In the Grove to Werewolf. This is a much, much more streamlined version of it. It is binary, either this or that. Yeah, and absolutely. The pleasure for me was trying to internally predicts okay he would have done that but he maybe he knows i think he'll have done that sort of done this instead yeah and then trying to okay well hang on they swapped cards already with that person so what is that now if they've done that i loved um, genuinely that was that was great fun and yeah they've, they've they've done it again button shy i think it's a again um a very simple but very elegant game um well, you and I were a bit disappointed yesterday because over the weekend, and, 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 and I say they're not here longer than this weekend, earlier than this, both Dan in particular and a bit of mm. Pete have been recommending that you and I watch Parks and Recreation. And I got about three episodes into it. I was slightly warming to it. I could see yeah. the kind of the appeal and I was really looking forward to great things. You'd watched, uh, I think, one or two episodes of it. One or two episodes, uh, and we'd sat down, and my wife literally went, my wife, literally went, oh, should we watch Parks and Rec? And that's very unusual for, for yeah. her in terms of 
really getting into like a new series or something. And lo and behold, I went onto Netflix yesterday to get to that lovely section at the top, continue watching. I was like, oh, Parks isn't there. That's yeah, weird. Maybe weird. maybe I finished the episode mm. or something like that. And it thinks I'm done now. Go to search, <gasps> type it in. Can't find it anywhere. First world problems, eh? Um, so that's it. So no Parks and Rec for us. Uh, now it's gone to Peacock. But can you get Peacock in the UK? You can. I don't think it's there yet, but I assume that it will be there shortly. Oh, but it was, just, it was just the timing of it. It was just like... You know, Dan had been going on it for on about it for ages, and Pete was on board, and they were yammering, yammering, yeah, blah 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 blah. Isn't it great? Like best sitcom ever seen. And it was a fact that we both chosen to start watching on the thirty first of July, and it was removed from Netflix on the first of August. (laughs) Well, so I tell you what hasn't been removed, and I started watching, um, and we talked about this a little bit in the car, and. It was a it was a kind of and I hate the expression like a guilty pleasure, but it was a kind mm. of a guilty secret really because I was watching a television series that had been created and in its new series actually directed by Seth MacFarlane, who mm. you know I think of Seth Mac, to some degree it's understandable I think of Seth MacFarlane as a kind of a a figure that makes kind of quite immature content you know and I, I associate them with yes. our days at university where you know you'd be watching Family Guy and. And then, you know, there's American Dad. And I never watched any of their live action stuff. But um, I always associated them with stuff that was quite biting, but a little bit puerile, that was very much of a time that I, you know, I felt like I'd kind of grown out of a little bit, really. And that, that's not to say yeah. I don't laugh at that stuff now. I'm not trying to whatever. But like, and I saw this trailer back in 2017 for this series called The Orville. And it was a Fox trailer. It was on, you know, and it was like, you know, guitar music. It looked like Star Trek, but there was like um, everyday kind of more naturalistic speech of like the 21st century. Swearing. You can say it, Chris. Yeah, swearing and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, right, this is going to be a bit like, and I never saw the film. Um, is it A Million Days, A Million Ways to Die in the West or something? Um, so I thought, ah. Oh. It's just going to be a sci-fi skin, but actually it's just going to be loads of fart jokes. And I saw the premise, which was um, set in the 25th century, where Captain Ed Helms, played by McFarlane, um, is, has been made captain of his very first starship, and he cannot believe his luck. It was seen as something he'd, that would never be possible to him. Uh, the caveat is that his commander, his second in command, is his ex-wife. Oh, hilarious! <laughs> um, I was like, okay, right. So that's that's the angle they're going for. So it's going to be what I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps some misogyny, sexism, whatsoever. I don't know really. Inappropriate humor, whatsoever. No, thank you. Um, but um, it it was only until a bit like what happened to many people during lockdown when you access streaming services. You think, oh well, I'll just take a punt on that. I'm not doing anything else except you know. Um, waiting for it to be safe to go outside so i'll um i'll pop this on and i did and i didn't tell anyone i was watching it and what's really interesting about this is that i believe there is a very secret underground group of people that have all watched and all love the orville like i do but don't speak about it because there is Hmm. i think this perception and mcfarlane talks about this i was literally listening to an interview of him yesterday because i find it quite paradoxical because here's a person who on the face of it I should you know I shouldn't really like because 
well, maybe I should, that's a bit of a strong thing to say, but maybe the, the person I pictured based on the work they created a la Family Guy and American Dad wasn't the person that I've seen being interviewed. This person who grew up on you know, American musicals and yeah. has, a, is a, has a real, real love for cinema, the magic of yeah. cinema and the magic of Hollywood. They're an accomplished musician and singer. Um, they kind of got into this whole process for animation, which is not surprising. They were in their 20s when they were made, you know, uh, an executive producer, producer of Family Guy. You know, they were very young. And what's quite telling about the Orville, and I know I'm burying the lead here, I'm going to stop that now, is that what was marketed as something that was like, mm-hmm. um, that was a good has, Peter Griffin impression. Yeah, has grown to become like the best Star Trek I've ever seen, really. Really? To some degree. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I'm, and I, I don't say that heavy-handedly I'm, I'm i mean i can hear pete's sharp intake of breath even though he's not on the pod <laughs> but i you know, i watched a lot of star trek when i was younger i wasn't really much into the original series i watched a lot of next gen uh ds9 in particular and a bit of voyager um have you watched any of the new stuff the um i did watch a bit of discovery but i didn't really get into it it was quite it went down a row which i really liked and it's fresh it's new it's contemporary um but i think for whatever reason, I just didn't stick with it. And and I think perhaps, to some respects, the Orville, the, the, the look and feel of the Orville isn't particularly groundbreaking. It is, it is very much like the Star Trek of old. So it, it has that Star Trek thing where each episode, it's chronicling this ship, its crew, as they explore new worlds. And with season three, which is the new one, which has shifted from Fox to Hulu, being more focused on the political relationships and and stuff between the kind of the races of this world that they've created. Yeah. And as usual in true Star Trek fashion, each alien race has a a kind of a crew member represented. So you kind of see that the ship becomes a microcosm of that really. Um, And I'll tell you one of the things that I really love about this series, it's grown up. So the first series, there's some, you know, there's some gags there, but it's actually a, it's a, it's a comedy drama. And over the subsequent series, it has shifted way more into the drama, um, looking at themes such as time acceleration, slavery, gender corrective surgery, Plato's cave, addiction, genocide, astrology, love, what it means to be human. And I have cried in three episodes. Chris. In season three. And, you know, that's something that's largely unusual for me. If somebody had told me, yeah, you're going to cry at a Steph, yeah. Steph McFarlane comedy drama. Yeah, yeah. at the same time, make sure you mention the milk to Sam. If somebody told me that, that I, <laughs> I'd cry at something that Seth McFarlane had made in, a, in an emotionally impactful way, I would have yeah, laughed yeah, at yeah. them. Not, yeah. um, but I've really grown to love these characters. And it goes to places where I'm generally asking myself, geez, that's a really difficult, what would I do in that situation? What would I do? And it's quite telling that in addition to Star Trek, um, McFarlane is influenced also by The Twilight Zone and uh, The Outer Limits. Uh, But also one of the reasons why Fox took a gamble, it's interesting, the reason why Fox took a gamble on this show was because of the success of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Where... Yeah, we like uh, that ragtag bunch where it's, yeah, it's a yeah, little bit yeah. looser. In fact, yeah. I think Star Trek I love, but it is it needs to loosen up a little bit. I think it is it can be a bit po-faced 
what would you say to so like me who's never watched i watched all the three star trek films the new ones uh but other than that i've had no interest at all in star trek it's like pizza cultural touchstones to you know to anything star trek so do you think that even though it sounds like a good watch and it sounds interesting and tackling things I'm interested in do you think that I would have the same connection to it that um, you have I think you will I think there are like but if you're interested in kind of like looking at 21st century ideas and topics hot topics for debate and looking at them through the prism of science fiction which all great science fiction does then yeah I think you'll enjoy this um whether it's your sense of humor, it kind of doesn't matter really, because particularly okay. as it through the subsequent series, it's been less about the comedy and more about the drama actually. And to, to be honest, I'm it's all all the better for it really. Shall we talk? Shall we talk? Shall let's talk. Let's talk about sounds fishy. Right, bring it back to. Bring it back to the holiday. Sounds Fishy was a game that was the only game that we could play in the moment. It was a perfect game for the moment. And um, I think we had a wonderful time playing it for for a number of reasons. First of all, I think it's a pretty, pretty decent party game. Second yep. of all, due to circumstances that I will now explain, it was the only game that we could play whilst all lounging on a sofa rather than sitting around a table because for whatever reason Peter Willington had decided to eat his pizza in a very unusual way and you know I don't want to cast judgment upon him but well, I think you are well I'm going to try not to eat the pizza however eat the pizza however you want Chris do whatever do whatever you fancy but I think if you choose to eat a pizza how Peter eat, ate it then you've got to live with some of the consequences. Yeah. <laughs> do do whatever you want to do, as long as it's consensual between you and the pizza and all the numerous sauces that he put upon it. Yeah. All the halloumi fries that he put in between pieces that he then cemented on top of each other and then ate like a pizza yeah. sandwich. Yeah. Um, do whatever you want, but be prepared to suffer the indigestion um, afterwards. Yeah. Um, no. Agreed. Because we we knew we were take we were taking bets basically on how long it would take for this um, uh, indigestion time bomb to explode in yeah. Pete's stomach, as as all the sriracha sauce and garlic and herb sauce and yeah halloumi would just finally unravel itself. <laughs> and that's 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 why you want a very efficient septic tank. <laughs> so yeah so it's just like peter was just like i can't i can't sit at this yeah. table I really Pete was to... beached he was absolutely beached he was just, we just basically like escorted him to the couch and like just lay him down and i don't think he was really in the mood for fifa so instead we played sounds fishy which is a, a brand new game we were sent to it kindly by the wonderful people at big potato who um have a strong legacy of games that they've sent us and games that we've spoken about of theirs on the podcast that we've enjoyed pretty much all of them i think um oh yeah and this 
was no different. So how Sounds Fishy works is, I don't know if you remember when um, we spoke about snakes earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, and Snakes was a big potato game, which was kind of like a cross between a trivia game, but also uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf or The Resistance, where someone would ask a question and then snakes around the table would find out the correct answer to that question. But their job was trying to was to try and convince everyone else around the table to pick the wrong answer. So they were like snakes in the grass trying to manipulate the 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 rest of the players around the table into picking the wrong answers to um the questions and it was it was great fun um i think i don't think it had as much longevity as i thought it would do but a few times i played it it was it was great fun however i think sounds fishy kind of trumps it in terms of providing a trivia experience with a twist that doesn't involve as much subterfuge and pressure on someone to lie or be accused of lying which i think for quite a lot of people sometimes doesn't come across um that well and so how sounds fishy works is that someone will be asking a question and they'll hold up a card in front of them on their side of the card, it will have a question, but on the other side of the card, it will have the question, but it will also have the answer in blue. And then everyone is handed out a fish. And um, so say, for example, as we were playing it, you would have, say, Dan reading out the question, and then you'd hand out three fish. Two of those fish would be red. One of those fish would be blue. Whoever gets a blue fish has to say the correct answer to the question. Whoever gets the red fish has to make up an answer to the question. And then it's the job of whoever is asking the question to basically wheedle out the red herrings, uh, wheedle out the red herrings without stumbling across the person who was giving the genuine correct answer. And it's the job of the person who got the blue fish, who's giving the correct answer, to make it sound like it's a red herring, like it's um, an incorrect answer and there's a scoring system and you know there's um uh and there's a there's a scoring system based on at what point the blue fish gets discovered and how many fishes have been turned over and who was able to last a whole round and like we didn't bother with any of the scoring we just sat down with three fishes a deck of cards lounging on the sofa waiting for Pete to digest and become a normal human being once again and just were just asking each other questions and bluffing and lying and laughing and yeah I I really enjoyed Sounds Fishy for what it provided for us in in that moment it was the perfect game for that very specific (laughs) pizza-based scenario yeah and what I love about Big Potato Games and I mean this in the highest possible way as a compliment those games are games that could be easily made off the top of your head. You could just get a piece of paper, red fish, yeah. blue fish, blue fish. But they give you the questions. They give you this nice, solid, shiny, shimmering fish that you hit, lobbed at me um, when we were there because <laughs> we were chucking them across the, the, uh, the living yeah. room. Be careful not to poke Pete lest he explode. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I again, I just get suckered in. I was like, yeah, I could, I could easily play this with my family at Christmas. Yeah. It'd be so much fun. Because as you say, being told I have to lie is a lot nicer than saying you can lie, you can tell the truth. Yes. And what happens then, that kind of game in gamer thing again starts to occur where I know that the answer is it may have a particular thing. It's like the duh of this. I'm thinking, well, okay, I better make my answer the the of this, but in a different yes. vein. Mm-hmm. Just to throw people off the scent a little bit more. I think it was there was a question, wasn't there, about um, was it like the earliest Disney character that was f- first yeah. drawn? And we each, all three of us, each gave you wacky answers that were all plausible. Obviously, one of them was more than plausible. It was the answer. But it was really, it was, it, it's quite helpful to have where everyone gets to see the answer to the question beforehand. I think that'd be a really yeah. difficult thing if only, only the person with the, the, the oh, yeah. fish. So I think you never feel stupid playing this game. If you don't know the answer yourself. Yeah. You come away, learn, I learned so much new things from this game. <laughs> I know, yeah. Just, and, and just that's for osmosis. I, I, think, I think that's what I like about it the most is that um, my biggest issue with social deduction games is that is often being accused of lying when you're not. Um, and my biggest issue with trivia games is when people are made to feel silly or stupid. Um, and in both cases, it leads to people not really wanting to take to take part because they hate the feeling of being accused of lying when they're not, or they hate being lied to. And with trivia games, they don't want to take part because they don't want to feel stupid or or don't want to be put in that position of vulnerability where they may be judged as being stupid. And sound and quite a lot of party games play along that line a little bit and take advantage of those kind of social um, precepts in in groups. And, you know, when we think about, um, you know, games like, just off the top of my head, things like Trivial Pursuit or um, things like Resistance or whatever, um, just not necessarily party games, but just games at the nths of those degrees, they don't do a good job of really providing a a safe space to allow for things, you know, for laughter and for everyone to be part of things and everyone to enjoy the experience. You have to be very, you have to be very careful about playing those games, about who you're going to want to play them with. Like I am Mm. terrible with Trivial Pursuit because I take it far too seriously and get really competitive and people don't, tend to enjoy um playing it with me um but and then with resistance quite a lot of people don't enjoy that game because they don't enjoy being accused of lying or being lied to you know when i play a game i want everyone around the table to enjoy what we're doing and i want everyone around the table to get from it what i get get from it and it always like whenever i play a game that i really really enjoy like it always breaks my heart if someone's just like, well, yeah, that was that was fine. So I think what Sounds Fishy does that's really good is just provide an experience that might not be the most like in-depth or involved, but what it does really, really well is it provides an experience that 
is enjoyable for everyone around the table and manages yeah. to provide a an experience that everyone can share in equally and isn't ostracized and isn't pushed to the edge and and there isn't a rule in there or a mechanic that isn't can't be easily explained or can't be misunderstood and that is an exceptionally valuable a valuable thing um to be able to sort of yeah stamp on the on the outside of your box <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, Chris, but it's getting. I think I've. I think this is it. I think we've reached the limit of our capacity <laughs> to yeah. be in each other's company. Yeah, I don't know. But I, th- I mean, are you at the capacity <laughs> yet with me? Well, in general. Yeah. No, I mean, like there are moments where you and I um, will 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 be talking to each other, and then or someone will say something, and you and I will answer the exact same way, and we'll both look at each yeah. other, and we'll, we'll just give each other a look, and I know what the look's saying. The look is saying. We're spending too much time with each other at the moment. We just need to, yeah. Like, and it's unsaid, but the look says it all. It's like, yeah, if we're if we're not careful, yeah, all we'll do is we'll just become the same person. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it it's when we start finishing each other's sentences that I think that we know that we've spent too much time in each other's company. company. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just it's just we've known each other far too long. I know. Which has its benefits. Which it has does. its benefits. Um, um, but it is sometimes a curse. Yes. And hopefully it hasn't been a curse for the listener and hopefully they've stuck with us for all this time to yeah. this point. Um, so uh, hopefully in the next episode it won't just be me and you. It'll be Dan and Pete. Pete will be all moved in to his swanky oh, yes. new pad. Yes, we didn't, really, we didn't really explain actually where everyone is. I think it's just that everyone's exceedingly busy um at the moment because it's you know heading into the into the summer break yeah in the united kingdom um so pete is moving into um his new new place and digesting that i'm going on yeah it's still digesting the pizza i'm going on holiday in a few days time so this is kind of like the only time that we could squeeze in recording really so that's kind of what what happened but thank you thank you for sticking around and if you want to see it look if you want to see us going ape and if you want to see us um in a hot tub you know that you can actually see the night the picture of us on the night when we invented um, um bubble boys games presents staying in presents hot tub the game you Working can time. see that picture on instagram <laughs> staying in pod um and you can use staying in pod on twitter and facebook if you want to follow us every single where that you would like and on any of those platforms you're welcome to um send us a message send us a dm in fact we got a dm um whilst you're on holiday from um someone asking us about um the um family gaming taming gaming website we talked about eons Um, and eons ago on this show and So if you've ever got a question to ask, if you ever, you know, have a quick memory of, oh, what was that thing that you you were talking about that you mentioned, then always get in touch with us when we will, we will reply. Um, More than happy to. 
uh, yeah, I, I don't know if Hot Tub's going to make it to our Board Game Geek page, but all the other games we've talked about today will be there, <laughs> as well as you video got, games do you, do you... on our Steam curation page. Yeah, video games are on there. Um, and as always, we ask you just to do one thing for us, if you can do, between now and when the next episode is out, which is just tell a friend, tell a colleague, um, tell a member of your family, um, tell anyone that will listen about this show and why you enjoy it and if you're struggling to do that then um, you will see on our instagram feed and also on twitter now that we sometimes put up little trailers from the shows uh, which are like little one little minute snippets of some of what we think are the funny and insightful moments of stuff that we talk about so just send one just send one of those along with a friend or retweet it on your twitter or whatever it's really really helps Really, I doubt we really appreciate this. it. No, no, well, it's just, just the tuna bus, <laughs> and we have made it because we tried. It's just the tuna bus. It's just you and I. Okay, uh, should we say bye now then? Yeah, and if you don't know what a tuna bus is, then whenever we're on the podcast, just two people, we always say it's a tuna bus episode, and that is it. Anyway, we are going to go to bed now. Not together. We're in separate no. locations. <laughs> we're not that intertwined yet no um, <laughs> good night Chris <laughs> good night Sam you just turn the lights off will you <laughs> <laughs>